I'm Simon. Hi, I'm Dan. And this is the Wikicast, a podcast where Wikipedia takes us to a random article each week and we talk about what we find. Daniel, what are we talking about this week? This week, Simon, we are talking about I'll Be the Tornado. <laughs> okay. 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 You choose now... to identify as a jet fighter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It gets better. So the, in the, the first sentence of the description of this Wikipedia page is as follows. I'll Be the Tornado is the second studio album by American emo band Dads. Oh, yes! It was released on the 14th of October 2014. The next section is critical reception. I'll Be the Tornado has received critical acclaim from music critics. At Metacritic, which assigns a normalised rating out of 100 to reviews with mainstream critics, the album received an average score of 81, based on five reviews. (laughs) Okay, so it's niche, but it's well received yeah. in its niche. Wow! Oh, this is cool. And this is going to this is probably going to shock and appall um, viewers. But I went through a little bit of an emo-y phase. No, to be fair, I I did too. And and my my default running playlist is nineties slash two thousands kind of emo music like My Chemical Romance, mm. Green Day, Blink mm-hmm. One Eight Two. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. What are some other classics that we're missing? I had um, my my kind of obsession was Billy Talent. I don't think I've heard of that. Oh man, they were really good. They were really good. But like, I remember, I remember this. You know, I used to have. There was a period of time that, thankfully, they've all been deleted now. But on my Facebook page, you'd have kind of like oh, my profile picture would be kind of like it was no, 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 no. Oh God, no! But it was kind of like it was some kind of become it would be like this goth with angel wings and like oh God, it was very are you it was very dark. Dark time. I'm right. deadly serious. Absolutely. I'm, I'm I used go to, to have... your Facebook right now. <laughs> oh, I've gonna... deleted them. I've deleted them. Don't worry, they're all what gone. Is, what is your earliest profile picture then? Hang on. Oh, it's you as God knows. Is it you as brains? Yeah, it's you as brains. You've deleted all of your old ones. Yeah, a lot of them have gone. <laughs> it's that picture of you when your forehead oh, is like five times the size of your face. That's very embarrassing. <laughs> so this happened in in in, in my defence. That photo was on a edited at the cathedral, and like. <laughs> It just oh my god, it's so funny. Sorry, you you were trying to defend yourself. Yeah, that photo is an edited photo. You do realize this? It doesn't look it though. Like, it, that are looks... you kidding me? My <laughs> even I know my forehead's that big, but there is no way that you can't think. Right, no, no, for no, no, viewers no. who as are in, confused, I as... will. Okay, sorry. Yeah, you explain. Right, there's a photo of me that was uh, that was on the front of a massive poster outside Exeter Cathedral because the male voice choir that I used to assistant direct with our friend Michael, um, Budley Solston, male voice choir, um, they were doing we were doing a concert and there was a big photo of the choir with Michael and I in the middle and the angle at which someone angled their phone against the so imagine if you were standing in front of a brick wall and instead of taking a, a photo of this brick wall directly in front of it with kind of a flat lens you went right up to the wall then angled the phone down so you can distort the image that's what's been done with my forehead now okay. so i will be the first to admit i will be the first to admit that my forehead is pretty damn sizable okay <laughs> but there is no way there is no way unless you're just being cruel that you think that that photo doesn't look edited Oh no no! I'm not Your saying Honor. but that isn't edited it's just a it's a deceitful camera angle is all that is it's oh, that, <laughs> i mean for to all intents and purposes, it's just like applying a distort effect, isn't it? So really, it is edited. Can I can I please tweet this picture out so people know what we're talking? Yeah, about? Yeah, of course you can. 
Yeah, go for right. it. Right, uh, I will. Be, this will date the when we recorded the episode, but I will. I will tweet this because it's too. Honestly, it's too funny not to. Um, yeah, it was. I, I mean, yeah, the picture was distorted on the. Um, what's it called on on the banner anyway, like uh, in the poster? But yeah, this person has mm-hmm. definitely made the most of it with their phone. Um, so so we were talking about the emo phase uh, uh, that we mm. both went through. Is this something that all white teenagers go through? Like, is this just something that everybody in our kind of background does? I think I think I think it must be. I certainly th- I don't think it was an uncommon thing. Certainly, I think n- not necessarily for the age that we were, but the the kind of the um, the generation we were kind of there was a period yeah, of, sure. i say we i mean you're a different gener- generation to me um but there's maybe a period, that invalidates there a the that... whole generational point but you know maybe that maybe that's the point that like because when how old were you roughly when you went through your emo phase oh, i don't know like 14 15 yeah so about the same time as as probably everybody that i knew was like you mm. know and it was like the fringe listening to a lot of green day my chemical romance um yeah yeah it's it, wearing know, quite a lot of black i, I still like some of the music it's but uh, I feel like you oh, back now and you realize that like a lot of the fashion choices were questionable at best. Yeah. I mean fortunately unlike a, a mutual friend of ours who we will not name and shame but I had straight hair so I didn't have to use my sister's straightener <laughs> yeah. to straighten my hair to give myself a fringe. We're not going to say who that was but that's that's bold. Oh. That's a bold choice. No, it's not a a bowl cut nearly. Um <laughs> Mm-hmm. That, it was oh that is an embarrassing picture of, of uh, our friend who should not be named he who who should mm. not be named um yeah. so the other thing that can we just to return to this wikipedia article because for once we've actually mm. had an article that we're actually talking about um the band's called dads the band is called dads yeah are they all dads dads was an american math rock band from what? new jersey what it was math, math rock, rock. Math rock is a style of indie rock that emerged in the 1980s in the United States, influenced by post-hardcore progressive rock bands such as King Crimson and the 20th century minimal music composers such such as Steve Reich. Math rock is characterized by complex, atypical rhythmic structures, um, including irregular stopping and starting, counterpoint, well, hey, we know about that, odd time signatures, angular melodies, and extended, often dissonant chords. It bears similarities to post-rock. So it's not really about maths. No, sadly not. Oh well, that's I'm less interested now. But like, because cause what I'd imagine was that it was a bunch of dads who got together in a band who just recorded an album for the lols and to embarrass their children. Yeah, sadly not. These seem a, these guys seem pretty pretty successful. Like it, that would be such a dad thing to do to just take a joke like that and just take it way too far. And everybody in the band is called like Todd, Bill, mm. um, like classic for us at least. Dad Nigel names, and they've. Yeah, and they've all got like kind of beer bellies and like t-shirts mm. that like overhang just a little bit. They've got a uh, veranda over the toy shop, I believe, is the uh, <laughs> is the expression for a beer <laughs> belly. I have not heard that one before. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. Veranda over the toy shop. Yeah, and then and then the 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 band's like the album cover is them like actually what would the band co- what would the album cover be? It would be like them at a, a golf club or something. Like so, the "I'll Be the Tornado" album cover is a photo of what I can assume, what I assume is one of the one of the band members. It's a close-up shot of his ear with some hair going over the ear. That's oh, that's very emo. Yeah, it's all obviously it's all in like black and white. It's grayscale. Oh, oh of course. I mean, if it, like mm. the only thing it's missing is possibly um, a rose, which is in color, um, or mm. possibly some barbed wire, maybe. Mm. Um, 
Or, or is there any? Does the ear have uh, eyeliner? Sadly not. Sadly oh, it's missing, not. It's missing that then. That is, that is the classic look. So the band is currently on an indefinite hiatus. Um, it's composed by of guitarist and vocalist Scott uh, Sharinger, bassist Ryan Azada, and drummer slash vocalist John Bradley. So Scott, Ryan, and John. <laughs> They've not broken up. They're just on indefinite no. hiatus. Which is the yeah, same. Yeah, they thing. were active from 2010 to 2015. I want to see if Dads, as a band, has a page where they're playing, and if they're doing a UK tour. If so, we're going. I, the thing is, we promised so many things in this podcast, you know. We, we promised that we were going to play, like, four different games by this point, uh, and that we were going to do this music and that music, and I feel like we shouldn't be promising mm. that we're going to go to a gig <laughs> of a genre that we didn't even know existed until just now. They've got... So so they've got a Bandcamp page. Right. Which means we can get... We can list... We can sample all their music. I don't think we can play it in the podcast, though, for copyright reasons. We'll be able to play six seconds, at least. All right. Uh, can you send me a link That's... to which what sure. you think their best song is based on your deep appreciation of the music of this band? Well, given that we came up with I'll Be The Tornado, I'm going to send you I'll Be The Tornado. Right. And and I'll, I'll let you have the fun of... In fact, actually, here we go. Right. I'm going to read out the names of each track. We're going to choose a track, and then whichever one we like the most... Actually, no. Let's do it a more fun way. Um, pick a number between one and ten. Nine. Okay, so I'm sending you a link now. You need to play track number nine, which is Take Back Today. Three minutes, 45 seconds. <laughs> oh, my God. I hope you're enjoying this at home, listeners. Uh, this is... Uh, mm. Sorry, readers. Oh, my goodness. I'm forgetting myself. Uh, <sighs> Come on, mate. Right, track nine. Here we go. Tip. I'm going to click play now. Okay, we've got, like... Kind of guitar. It's that. Oh! Okay, right. I'm just going to pause it there. I'm going to include in the edit those six seconds at the start there. You made footprints on mountains. <laughs> that is. In the bits of me. That is so. Oh my god. I couldn't have. Was, that, like... was, was there feedback deliberately, deliberately added into that track? I didn't hear any. I think Did that you was hit? just the way that you were listening to it, possibly. Right, okay. I didn't hear any, like, whiny feedback. Well, what I did hear was a whiny vocalist, which is... So if you'd asked me to predict what that song would have sounded like, it would have been literally that. That's like... Yeah. So Blink-182 uh, slow chords on a, gu- on a guitar, and the, mm-hmm. well, the name Take Back Today, uh, mm-hmm. and then the whiniest vocalist I think I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the other songs on this album are Fake Knees... Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Chewing ghosts. Um, you hold only back. you and sunburn jet, jet wings. wings. <laughs> oh, what, a, what an amazing name! I'll, hang on, I'm going to have a quick listen to sunburnt jet wings. I'll report in uh, readers with what this sounds like. Right, we've got like a distorted feedback for an amp, mm-hmm. uh, l- like aggressive drumming and guitars. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting for the vocals. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like a really fast spoken word. <laughs> like, oh God, hang on, I'm just gonna pick up the like this. I've got an English dictionary next to my desk, so I'll just pick up. <laughs> oh my God, I open it at a random page. I was like, I'll oh, just pick the first entry I look at, and the first entry is Dicky. 
as in D-I-C-K-Y. So like this, it's like drumming, it's like um like aggressive drumming and guitars, and then this voice just comes over the top. Deking, did Tim and Fulman not strong, healthy, or working reliably? Like it's just like a bad beat poem or something over the top of this music. I mean, what have we discovered? What have we unleashed on the world? The thing is, this album was critically acclaimed. Like, what was it on Metacritic? Like, 80%? Something like that, wasn't it? Um, hang on. 81. So The album received an average score of 81, but it was based on five reviews. So, yeah, I mean, this is a very niche genre that it's playing to. Um, yeah, I mean, consistently across the board on there, so Absolute Punk, Pitchfork, Pop Matters, and punknews.org, which is amazing, Punk News has a .org. That seems like, that's like the most glorious juxtaposition, and it's almost... Um, it's almost a oxymoron. I feel like the idea of like punk does not go with an organisation. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Pop punk news. Um, they're all really high. They're all like seven point five out of ten, eight out of ten, four out of five. So I think people what like are, them. What's some of the criticism? Do we have actual reviews that we can we can read out of this this album? Um, let's think. Hang on. I'm going to do some quick internetting. Just don't mind me while I'm internetting here, guys. <laughs> Noted. Gonna... I mean, is to internet is probably a verb. Is it in the? Hang on, let me just check the uh, the uh, Oxford English Mini Dictionary that I have here. Um, gurgle, gossamer, frontier. I've gone past. <laughs> I want uh, the eyes. Thrilling stuff here. Dan is internetting whilst I uh, use a physical paper dictionary to determine if. To oh my god! Oh correct. my god! Uh, let's these are these are all pretty these are all pretty vile, as in they're all very very like they're high praise, but just the manner in which they're giving the praise is cringe. Oh, go on! I want to hear this. Okay, so a uh, score of eighty from Alternate Press on October twenty eighth, two thousand fourteen, says um, the album's strongest moments are found in the duo's ability to live in the moment and take a deep cleansing breath. <laughs> um, let's find another equally as great. Oh, here we go. Um, Pop Matters uh, gives another score of 80 on October 17th, 2014. It says, <clears throat> I'll Be the Tornado is an enrapturing album and one that you simply must hear with your mind and your heart. Oh, God. Ooh, were these gross. written by the people who either were in the band or are related to people in the band? Oh, we should so write a review. What, the Wikicast reviews. <laughs> the Wikicast. Like. One star. It sounded like yeah. whiny beat poetry. <laughs> Incidentally, um, my, the results of my search on the internet, um, I'm only getting the int- internet as a noun rather than a verb, unfortunately. It's between oh, uh, I- interplay, noun, interaction, which is just like, mm. I swear, probably defined on the same page, uh, and mm. internecine. Or internecine? No, no, internecine. Adjective of conflict happening between members of a group. We're mm. literally reading the dictionary. Yeah. I have, I have thought this, like as a, as a, like um, a uh, maybe a, if if we were to do like a GoFundMe or something, like we were raising money for something and we were doing live streams, I would literally do a live stream with just me reading something. I could read a dictionary mm. if it meant that it was people donating money to charity, or yeah. like I don't know, reading The Great Gatsby or something, like some work of classic literature that's public domain. Mm. Because uh, I don't know, I want to I want to tap into that sweet ASMR market with this nice microphone. Yeah, that I, now have. I don't know if you saw it. recently the um, Rhett, and, Rhett and Link of Good Mythical Morning fame did an entire episode as an ASMR. Uh, yeah, like in an ASMR style. I saw. Um, I haven't watched any of their new stuff. I, I know that they've been getting funding from YouTube 
Red to do like a to expand their show. Um, but I did see that that yeah, was yeah because they're doing the second series now. Buddy system, buddy. Oh no, no, but but as well as that, Good Mythical Morning um, is now like they yeah. expanded that, so it's more like a talk show. For the, for those of you who don't know, Rhett and Link are very very big YouTubers. Um, they got millions mm. and millions of subscribers. Um, huge and uh, huge and uh, huge. They, they it's going to be huge. They do this thing called Good Mythical Morning, which is like a YouTube talk show, I guess. Um, but yeah, they've mm. been getting funding from YouTube because they're obviously trying to push that. Uh, as a, a thing to promote on the platform um who, and we met it's kind them. of like it's like a drive time it's like a drive time breakfast radio show except there's a camera in front of them yeah basically and they're, they're two friends that have known each other since like before pri- before high school i think like they've known each other yeah. all their lives so it's just it's it's fun yeah um but i the other thing is because I, I, I saw that they'd done that video but i haven't watched it but i also stumbled across mm. uh, a whole genre of asmr interviews with people like promoting films and it's just like for example they have one with cara delavine um, doing Suicide Squad, and she's just there, like mm. right up to the microphone, like, "My name is Cara Delevingne, and this is the sound that my shoes make when they go across the floor when I'm the Enchantress." God, and it's like, it's it's a little bit creepy. I mean, I really like ASMR, but uh, it does that does. I do if it's the bit. right kind of ASMR. It has to be unintentional. Like, if it's me. someone, it's got to be someone who's got a really good voice, and I feel like so this one that Rhett and Link did. Um, they don't. They haven't quite mastered how to make whispering sound pleasant, which is quite important. <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's just it's just like that kind of ugh, like shivers up your spine. Mm. It's just it makes you feel a bit creepy. Yeah. Someone like Bob Ross, you're just like it's like sinking into a warm pool. Um, mm. You know, it's it's just perfect. a warm wave just washes over you. Although, actually, that's a very very good uh, segue because my favorite ASMR channel at the moment is a guy called. Did I talk about this last last week? A guy called David Bull who does Japanese uh, traditional woodblock prints. Yes, you did. You did tell me. Yeah, that. Uh, he's and he's brilliant because uh, uh, he had a fifteen part series where he was talking about recreating Hokusai's The Great Wave. Because um, mm. I've learned an awful lot from this series about the art form. Um, of ukiyo-e and and what like all, all forms of Japanese print. I probably pronounced that wrong because there's like different ne- all all the names are obviously Japanese and it's like u- ukiyo-e mm. is like one form and then there's chibi and then there's um oh, there was another piece which was like um like the frontispiece to a book um because you know like I've learned about the is the other one called is the other one called gurugamesh gurugamesh abonai trotisan this is the, we've we've done the whole racist thing again. <laughs> oh, <laughs> damn it! Oh, oh, damn it! Damn it! We've really we, like we we it, it's like the well that we keep being drawn to. It's just we're two mm. white dudes who don't really know anything about other people's cultures. <laughs> you know, in in like in Lord of the Rings, when they awake the Balrog, it's like that's like us, except we we delve too greedily and too deep into like cultural insensitivity, and then and instead of waking up the Balrog, we wake up racism incarnate <laughs> and it just it just attacks us well we're in devon we're in like the deepest one well, of the deepest darkest bits of the uk for racism we're so. like in the deep south of america but the english version yeah how y'all doing it's, it's a, as opposed to you're right you love <laughs> like you're right my lover who's black sir oh enough to no good <laughs> like, <laughs> oh god that I'd like to make fully clear that that is a stereotype of Devon, not necessarily representative of anyone, least of all us two, because we no, are certainly po- not contrary to popular belief, not actually racist. Um, mm, I know. Although it's I did come as a great surprise to to readers. I did get um, a pixel girl into some classic games grumps. Have you seen the sad Hoshi bit that they did? 
No, I don't so think that, I will hang on, actually describe it, and I probably have. So Game Grumps, for those of you who don't know, it's, um, well, it's actually several people, but the ones that we watch are, are uh, Danny Sexbang and Aaron Hansen, mm-hmm. who do, uh, mm-hmm. basically, basically it's just two dudes on a, on a couch playing games. Mm-hmm. Um, and they did this thing playing like a classic Nintendo game where they were trying to imagine the saddest thing possible. And because yeah. their friend Ross, who's like really exuberant and everything, and they were like, "Well, if he's sad, like you know, the world's sad." And then Danny's just like, "It's like a sad Japanese man." And so they had this like whole bit called Sad Hoshi, where he's had like the worst day possible, but he doesn't want to make it better. And it's like, um, uh, do we have any more of that uh, Hagen Das? No, mm-hmm. no, I ate it all. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I I could go and go to the store and get you some. No. I don't want mm. to put anyone else out today. <laughs> like, oh. Some things you just have to fight alone. And oh, like... tell I tell you what you should be what you should be watching. It's it's been a hilarious series so far. They've just started doing a playthrough of uh, Stardew Valley. Oh really? Oh no, that's a fun relaxing. Oh man, it's amazing because Aaron just like doesn't see the point. And Danny's just totally in love with the just adorable cuteness of the sh- of the game. Like, <laughs> he's like, "This, this is just gorgeous." And Aaron's like, "What's the fucking point? I could be doing. I could actually just be working out in my own garden. Why am I doing this?" <laughs> actually, um, speaking my... of, oh, speaking of, Sorry, speaking of, yeah, what's speaking of? What's the fucking point? Guess who's arriving tomorrow? Uh oh, what you mean? Our good friend Peter, definitely not a pedo. Peter, not definitely not a pedo, and. Oh, What's Lily, definitely not a pedo Draper. <laughs> yeah, Lily D. Raper. <laughs> Lily Amazing. D. Raper. Uh, I yeah. think oh. we might have to just do a, a special episode of the podcast, I think. Like, just do, like, a quick I thing to be to. like, we talk about you so much, let's just sit down with the three of us and, and chat. Yeah. I am currently mm. free up until Monday afternoon when I get... Cause, so, uh, to give some context uh, to this, I have submitted to my supervisors, well, to my main supervisor, a complete version of my thesis... Uh, it's 132, I think, pages long. Um, so it's actually been trimmed down quite a bit. It was nearly 150, but I've I've cut a fair bit. Um, and um, basically, I'm waiting to get uh, their feedback on this and this final final lot of feedback over the whole structure before I submit, which hopefully I'll be doing next week. Now, what might happen is um, because I have. Uh, this meeting on Monday, and then I have another meeting on Wednesday. I think it's going to be. Um, I might actually not be submitting on uh, that Friday if I have too much work to do. But up until that mm. Monday, I, I'm actually free in the wind. So I've been doing a lot of editing, and you know, in, including oh, nice. Um So uh, yeah, we actually do have a bit of time. We could do a little, little extra thing, maybe. By the time this goes out, they'll be here. Um, so I think if, you, see, if you're very I've keen requested... on this, email us. I've said also, just quickly, um, readers, can we all take just five seconds to stop, stop, stop listening? And we're all just going to give Simon a round of applause for finally submitting it. It's five seconds starting now. <laughs> now, bear in mind, there that isn't okay. submitting the, the, like, properly submitting, because this is just, this is the, fi- I have done a full version, and I've, I've had, like, I've drafted each chapter along the way, uh, and I've had feedback on mm. them from supervisors, but this is the first time it's been, like, complete, so I'm getting, like, the overall comments on the whole thing. Um, mm. And much as I, I, I don't want to incriminate anybody but uh, much as some of my the supervision I've been getting has been lacking in terms of the comments like I've told you some of the, fe- the comments I've been I've been doing. oh yeah um, you're being very restrained mate well done uh, so yeah it might well be that they actually go Jesus Christ 
the apple tree. No, they might they might Jesus go. Uh, they might go. What are you doing? Like you can't submit next week. There's loads of stuff to fix. Uh, but fingers crossed. At the moment, the plan is next Friday. Um, but yeah, yeah. The whole um, point just is for that. anyone who doesn't didn't get that uh, that reference from Simon, I strongly recommend you go onto YouTube. And if and now we're getting to the Christmas season, mm. um, look up the the Carol Jesus Christ the Apple Tree. It's by a superb female composer, actually, who we don't often hear around Christmas time because it's a male-dominated... And her name is... I can't remember. Elizabeth Poston. Ah, there you go. There you go. Oh, um, by the way, can you remember, I think in the... I think in the first, one of the, maybe the first or second episode of this, in this when this podcast began, way back when, um, I mentioned William Billings. Yes, Bill Billings. Um, yeah, old Bill Billings. Um, uh, Ex-University Singers, a, a, a choir I conduct, um, who are absolutely superb, and we're doing a concert in Exeter on the 8th of December, so if anyone's about, do uh, do come along. We'll also be releasing some videos very soon, some Christmas stuff. Very exciting. But I'm, I've made them do that um, that arrangement that I found. I was just like, I don't care. I don't care if you don't like it. I think he's the coolest guy ever. I'm going to do one of his, <laughs> or his, or his, one of his arrangements. Um, uh, oh yeah, and, and of course. How, how have we not mentioned this yet? Yesterday, um, at the time of recording, mm. we live streamed an even song mm. fr- um, from Chapel Choir. And I've got to say, it was yeah. a very good even song. Um, and mm. as of the moment, it's done very well on Facebook. So for those of you who maybe um, aren't uh, at Exeter and you've never been able to come and hear us sing, um, wow, it's got mm. two thousand views. Holy smokes! Um, mm. It's over an hour um, because it's an, a properly proper length even song because there weren't fifteen minutes mm. of prayers, um, mm. and um, it's uh, well you could, basically you can actually see from the heat map when the music is. Uh, so there's like uh, mm. a Magnificat, a Nuptimitus, good psalms, and a fantastic anthem written by a guy who was uh, organist Exeter Cathedral called um, mm. is it Samuel Sebastian or Sebastian Samuel Wesley? I think it's the f- first one. Samuel Sebastian. Uh, I think so. I'm just going to Google that to double check. Uh, yeah, so yeah, Samuel Wesley. Um, uh, called Ascribe Unto the Lord, which is like 15 minutes long, uh, and it's got some amazing, amazing moments in it. One such, one such amazing moment you can hear at 43 minutes timestamped because <laughs> I have a tennis solo. <laughs> Do you? What's the tennis solo shameless, that you have? Shameless plug. Yeah, it's the um, it's the verse. You've, you've got it's um, oh, of course, bass, yeah, yeah, yeah. tenor. So there's a tenor. There's it's it's one part from each part of the choir. So well, Edward. Dunn, who I believe is currently in the bath, um, as, as, I, as, I'm, as I'm recording this, um, he sings the deck two solo. I sing the deck tenor one solo, um, and it's just a brief fiddle bit. But yeah, well, the, the, the scale I would strongly of the also listen to. Such. Oh my god! Oh my god! Listen to the responses. They yeah. are my favourite responses ever. They're, and they're amazing. They're written by a guy called Bernard Rose, um, who was um, director of music at Magdalen College, Oxford. Thank you. Um, he's fab. Uh, he wrote some amazing stuff. And he was—he's just an absolute lad, and he loved tenors. So in yeah, his responses, he—he he writes the first tenors a separate line, and it's basically all about us, and it's super cool. Sam, we were rehearsing them last week, and um, we uh, kind of—we sang the first response. So as as people are probably aware by now, um, the responses begin with, um, "O Lord, open thou our lips, and the choir will sing back, and our mouths shall shew forth thy praise." Um, so we sang that and we sang it in rehearsal and we hadn't done these responses in like probably nearly a year. It's been such a long time. Mm. Um, and Sam, who's uh, Sam, the other one, who the, the betrayer in, <laughs> uh, in our fan fictions, just leant over to me and kind of we looked at each other and he just went, it's good to be back. I was like, yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> it's amazing. Like we were just so happy. 
they're also my uh, they're also my favorite responses because for once in a set of responses you actually get to use your low range as a base it goes down to a bottom d relatively frequently Mm. so sam every now and again would turn because i'm that sam is between dan and i so um every now and again when i've had one of these he just sam would look at me and be like yes like yeah nice but yeah the the scale of the um the ascribe to the lord is such that there are two separate quartets that uh sing uh in it mm. which is which is kind of fun and yeah so there are these moments where it's like um um well, it was, I can't remember where the script is from. It's probably from the Book of Psalms or something. Um, but there are various things describing the heathens, and it's just like eyes have they and see not, and um, mm. hands have they but handle not. Um, and mm. but, but then, like because you, you're singing in a building with a really dissipative acoustic, you have to overdo everything. So the um, what's the tenor ones? Is you, do you have noses have they or something like that? What's the one that um, you sing? Noses have they, they... but smell not. Yeah, and then they have ears and hear not. Yeah, for the, um, which is the bass one. But I, I, we're just like uh, I, I, right into Sam's ear. I was just like, uh, "Hang on, what did we?" Oh, it was noses, wasn't it? Yes, yeah, so it was like noses have they and smell not, and like mm. like spitting half half the choir. Um, so yeah, that that's that was really really fun. So yeah, you can check it out. It's on it's on the chapel so, Facebook page. Um, and you should definitely the, check it the out. words are from Psalm from Psalm ninety six verses two to three, uh, five two to ten, and Psalm one hundred and fifteen verses three to eight, twelve to fifteen, depending on that. Oh, so it's it's various ones. Okay, yeah, it's amazing. It's a great piece of work. So and and also, I think the choir does a pretty good account of itself. So if you've never been able to, it's a it's hear a classic. Us, it's a classic banger for the chapel choir, isn't it? Mm, yeah. So if you've never been able to hear it, along with um, the Hugo Wickham evening service, which is <laughs> noble in B minor. Yeah, uh, for those of you who know Hugo from the Beer Mile, for example, he he really likes that piece. Mm. Uh, the Noble, Noble yeah, Beer he's Mile. in love with it. It's uh, to the point of which Hugo is a first bass, but he is permitted to sing the first tenor line in the Gloria. Yeah, because at which he loves point, it so much. At which point, I just had to double down on volume, and I was pretty loud to begin with. But it's just like mm. it's like t- it's it's really up to eleven. Uh, mm. Yeah, it's it's that was really really fun. But we've done the classic thing. We've talked about... To be fair, we have had a musical article this week. Um, so I feel mm. like talking about music is somewhat justified. Now, We've we also actually... been resisting from mentioning the alumni come and sing, but that's all we're going to mention of it. <laughs> that's why Peter and Lily and folk like that are coming down. Yeah. And by the time this comes out, it's like... I mean, there will be a concert on the Saturday night. Uh, maybe check out the um, ch- the Chapel Facebook page if you're a very early listener and you're an extra. Mm. But, um, but mm. I-, I think we should go on to the next section of this podcast, which is, of course, the uh, newly instated and apparently quite popular... Um, film, mm. TV, and YouTube corner, which definitely needs a slightly snappier mm. name. But we also, mm. very excitingly, Tapio Kirkinen, um, who is one of mm. our loyal Tapio, the, the man, the legend, the myth, the just absolute mega lad. Uh, so he sent us a bunch of jingles. Um, should we just include all of them? <laughs> like, no. Have I, you I, listened to them? Yeah, I have. Um, I really like some of them. I got to say, I think maybe we should mm. trial them, and if you if you have some feedback for whether we should include them or yeah. maybe do something a little bit different, um, should mm. we just? I'll put in. I think the one that's the combination of us doing a Tie Fighter impression. Okay. And with that TIE Fighter passing over, um, mm, I've mm-hmm. got to say I'm a big fan of that one. Um, it's super. Absolutely super. So in film, television and YouTube news, uh, what have you been watching, Dan? What have I been watching? Uh, I've been finishing off the uh, the new series of Star Trek Discovery on Netflix. Ah, yes, I started I've been thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoying that. Um, as far as kind of 
film goes, I haven't. Oh no! I tell you what, I I rewatched a film that I watched. Uh, oh, maybe a year, two years ago now. It's on Netflix. Um, I think I went and saw it in the cinema when it came out, and it got really, really varied responses. It's called Everybody Wants Some. Oh, I remember now, this I specifically, coming out. Yeah, and I I, 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 I don't recall it, it coming out as such, but I do remember um, Mark Kermode's review of Everybody Wants Some. Um, it, it was kind of, it was met to kind of really, really varied responses because some people absolutely adored it and other people absolutely loathed it because of the kind of... Um, the ideals it addressed and the kind of people that you were hanging around with. And basically, if I was to give you a brief synopsis, um, it says in uh, 1980, Texas, a college freshman, uh, Blake Jenner, meets his, meets his new uh, basketball teammates, uh, baseball, sorry, teammates, um, an unruly group of disco dancing, skirt chasing partiers. And it's kind of like a coming of a, and it's all set within the first week of before kind of college starts. And it's very, you know, you'll, you'll follow this group of kind of lads basically kind of like the jocks who go around and the kind of as from a kind of reception kind of view i think oh, i want to try and find have you seen it simon i know no i haven't um i think mm, i think maybe yeah so simon uh, uh mark's tweet was i hated everybody wants some but there's another ex there's a there's another review by guy lodge who's another really quite good film critic um who kind of argues for the piece's kind of strengths and i rewatched it again and i don't think my opinion changed on it but i felt really odd there are moments where it's quite endearing kind of uh, uh, as a as a kind of a viewer but there are other points where it is just so kind of misogynistic and just overly just not very nice you know like the kind of people that if i was a, the kind of people that i associate when i was at school and this goes right the way through until my final my two my final two years at school the kind of people that these mm. guys represent were the people that i avoided i did not like these kind of people um just because of their kind of like their ideals and the way they treated women and the way they just kind of you know peacocked around um it was very. Yeah, it's a really. Yeah. I don't know. If you get an opportunity, give it a watch. And I'd be. I'd be really interested, actually, to hear some viewers' responses because we've got uh, some readers. Rather, I've got. We've both made that mistake today. Um, yeah. We've we've got we've got listeners. Oh, for fuck's sake, readers. Mm. <laughs> we've got readers who I think are incredibly from from on a kind of like an intellectual standpoint are very well informed and have excellent opinions. Um, and I'd be really curious to see if anyone else has watched this film, how they think and how they can juggle it. I, I wouldn't say I didn't like it, but I wouldn't say I did. It's this weird kind of middle ground. Um, so that's Everybody Wants Some. It's on Netflix. Uh, it's worth watching just purely to see how you think they kind of balance the the kind of moral compass, if you like, of the film. Yeah. So, you, so it's not necessarily a bad film. It just made you, you thought it was unpleasant. Yeah. At, at points. There are other points where it's it's... It's kind of like the the actual cinematography, the, the the filmmaking. I think is really well. It's really well done. Um, okay, but it's ju- there are just these times where it's just very like, you know, you get like montage scenes of each one of the guys who've managed to kind of pull a different girl on the night, and they're all in different parts of the house, and you get some kind of weirdly o- overly kind of gr- gratuitous nudity, and it's also it's similar to. Do you know? Um, is it blue is the warmest color i think that's on netflix as well yeah yeah um i rewatched that recently um and i had a similar response it's just kind of unnecessary unnecessary kind of nudity and it's a bit 
like it's, ooh, um, almost kind of like film like film. it's film by yeah like a like a voyeur, voyeuristic kind of I don't know it's very odd um it was on. It, 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 it's got seven point eight. Blue is the warmest color out of on um, out of ten on IMDb. Yeah, uh, certainly directed, heard good things about that. Oh my god, I can't even. I, uh, director is Abdelatif Kechiche. My god, I mean, I absolutely I'm, clearly like nailed that pronunciation. Yeah, but the, I'm the, sure that's exactly the, how it's meant to be pronounced. <laughs> Yeah, um, a French teen forms a deep emotional, emotional and sexual connection with an older art student she met in a lesbian bar. And it's this, again, it's kind of like a coming-of-age self-discovery, but it's tarnished by this view of you can't help but get away from the fact that you feel like a lot of the filmmakers on this set were men and they were just using it as an opportunity to almost kind of get off on the film. So it's, it's really it, it, weird. It would compare unfavourably with something like Ichimama Tambia. Uh, Tambien, even. I haven't seen that. So that's the Quran coming of age one, where it's like two guys and an older woman. Um, so it's like uh, the same themes, but it doesn't seem to be done in such an ex- exploitative way. But I, I, I have to watch right. that. That'd be interesting, actually. Now, hopefully I'll have mm. a bit more time in the future, so I can watch that. Mm. You know, actually, just quickly, you know it's bad when I've just found the Wikipedia page and I go down to seven... Um, kind of uh, the contents page, go to seven, reception. 7.1 is box office. 7.2 is critical response. And the first subcategory of critical response is concerns about graphic sex and the LGBTQ feminist response. There you go, yeah. I think it's kind of like it didn't quite hit. I mean, um, one of the purposes of cinema is, well, not necessarily purposes, but I think one of the roles of cinema is to push boundaries like that. Any form of art, you have to push and and push what society deems acceptable and like stuff that seems completely quaint to us like what's the name of that painting with the um the girl on the swing you know what i mean it's like a french impressionist painting and like it was a complete scan- scandal at the time because like you could see her ankles mm. um you know what i mean like a laughing girl on a swing and like to us now that's so passé and everything and like don't you think that one of the things about any any art form is to is to do that is to kind of you know push and ask what is acceptable I think, I think it. I think it that it has that role to an extent. I don't think that is its primary purpose. Because if that's its primary purpose, then it's not really proving anything. If yeah. you're just trying to push boundaries, that's when you get. That's when you walk into like a modern art gallery and you've got a completely white room, and in the middle of the room there is a single tomato being lit by a blue light, and it's up to the artist to say, "Well, that's art." And you're like, "Well, yes, <laughs> I mean, it is. It's whatever whatever you deem acceptable." But and, and I think unless it's kind of if it's not really serving a purpose and it's not working hand in hand with, yes, I, w- I want to push boundaries and give something an edge, but I'm doing it in conjunction with all these other things. So if it was bringing up um, kind of, you know, if, in combination with a really, really excellent script and it was bringing up themes and those themes worked hand in hand. And so, you know, like the, the, the sum of the film's parts creates a, a kind of a certain response rather than just saying, oh, yeah, well, there's like a there's a there's a load of really kind of graphic sex and we're doing it because it's going to be a bit edgy. Yeah. I'm like, well, I it has to of, be in I service personally, to the I just story. didn't feel. Yeah, exactly. I think that, and that's the thing. And I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure it was. Very interestingly, the judging panel on this film, which included mm. Steven Spielberg, Ang Lee, and Nicole Kidman, um, made an unprecedented move to award the film the top prize to the two main actri- act- actresses and the director. Well, this is blue as the warmest. So, color. like. 
Yeah, this, yeah, Spielberg said the film is a great love story that made all of us feel privileged to be a fly on the wall to see the story of deep love and deep heartbreak evolve from the beginning. The director did not put any constraints on the narrative and we were absolutely spellbound by the amazing performances of the two actresses and especially the way the director observed his characters and just let the characters breathe. That's very true. It does feel incredibly natural. But there are times when you're almost kind of like, it's like you you, you sit through 10, 15 minutes of very stream of consciousness style um uh script writing um and then it's you're, you're like oh but don't don't worry because we'll we'll put some sex in here and it'll keep you awake you know yeah. it's and that's prob- that might be that might be really harsh um but it was used I don't know um, it was it was highlighted in a video by an amazing video i think one of the best ones on youtube actually uh, by channel criswell about the use of color in storytelling uh, about how mm-hmm. the color blue is used to denote the state of the relationship throughout the film yeah and that's what i mean it's a it's in as, as film film in the making it's it's very good it's it's clearly you've it. had I a lot of thought well i think yeah. it's, it's fantastic it's just... that we're actually able to talk about themes and deep concepts like this when relating to a film because you know what i see i saw this week oh god yeah i do Go i on. saw i saw the justice league um oh god which was uh, like I'm actually finding it quite difficult to form a coherent opinion about it because it's bad. It's really, really quite bad. Um, and all the film reviews that I've seen have like have slated it for things um, that uh, are completely correct. For example, the villain is it's called Steppenwolf. Apparently that is a legit DC character. Um, looks like a 90s computer game villain um and has about the same motives and acting in it literally it's laughable how paper thin all the characters are not a single person mm-hmm. has a character arc um there are like a few character beats but beats don't make an arc like if if batman has one character beat that oh you're getting old that isn't an arc <laughs> like mm. none of, it's just like from a filmmaking perspective it makes absolutely no sense the performances themselves i quite like jason momoa as um aquaman and gal gado as um wonder woman in fact i went with a friend of mine uh, who we both know who has a, a phd um who uh, every time gal gado was on screen just went yes <laughs> because mm-hmm. you're learning to enjoy the small things in the film really um like I, I... this is that's that's interesting kermode said exactly the same thing in that he thought um, Godot, like, just she she carried the film. She was definitely the the standout performance. I think. I think. Mm. I, I do like Ben Affleck as Batman. I think. I think that was fine. I just think that the, the problem is the film gave actors who could do really interesting things nothing to do. Particularly Jason Momoa was just there. Um, like mm. the the Flash was the character. Actually, no, that is true. The Flash did have something of an arc. He actually had a motivation, and he had like a few mm. character points. And I was like, that's how Ezra, you do. That's Ezra Miller, right? Yes, from uh, we need to talk about Kevin. Um, yes, and um, played Thingy in Fantastic Beasts, didn't he? Played oh, cl- uh, Credence, Clarity, Credence, Chastity, whatever. I can't remember. It was named after a yeah. virtue. Um, and he's all right. I find I find the character a bit annoying. He's a bit too Whedon-y. And like as loads of people have pointed out, so the Justice League that they were loads of reshoots, and they actually did some reshoots directed by Joss Whedon. And you can really tell when Joss Whedon takes the helm. Like the one interesting mm. sequence, the one part of the film really where I was like okay i'm into this now was when uh spoilers though it's not exactly a spoiler because he's all over the promotional stuff is when superman comes back to life they regenerate superman and he's confused and they're Mm. like holy he's superman he could murder us all um so they're trying Mm. to restrain him and superman just outclasses 
everybody at their own game. So he's faster than the Flash. Uh, yeah, than the Flash. Um, he's stronger than Aquaman and Wonder Woman easily. Um, like he's stronger than Cyborg, and he's about to choke out Batman. Um, and like it's just it's just so laughable, like uh, how powerful he is. Really, like that was the one See, scene where you were like, yeah, okay, this is it. I, I this is interesting, and then it was over. <laughs> I just, without wanting to appear blunt. I couldn't give a monkey's toss about DC. No, I, I couldn't I just, really either. Absolutely. And 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 we touched on this point last week and it it's it's a classic case of it's it's a it's a fantasy fictitious franchise. Fucking solid alliteration there Dan, well done. <laughs> um that just it falls into the trap of taking itself way too seriously. Now you have been like, brought up like, about oh. this. You, we have actually had an email about this uh, which we'll get to in correspondence corner. Um, but um, mm. yeah, uh, I mean, I do. Apl- I, I like the fact they're trying to be different from Marvel. They're not just trying to to slipstream behind Marvel, but they have got. But they're being it different the because it's shit. like that. Without again, without wanting to be blunt, it's different because they just do not succeed at all. But that they, they, they were trying. I think it is possible to do superhero films well and not be like Marvel. I, uh, there's definite scope to do that. Yeah, but they are going around it in the wrong mm-hmm. way. There's definitely, yeah, I'm not saying that the only formula for doing a superhero film is that it's got to be a comedy. Yeah. Or it's got to have some kind of kind of frivolous moments. You can definitely do it. You can, you know, definitely do it seriously. Um, I mean, the problem is that all three films that, that have had Superman in, so all the DC films apart from Wonder Woman, um, they've just done the character as a moody alien rather than like this is something that mike from red letter media talks about a lot about how the whole point is he is meant to represent hope he's not the the broody do you bleed kind of um Mm. style of superhero and like there are moments in this when you do get that and again i'm pretty sure it's when joss whedon took the helm um like Mm. basically if you want a decent review of this film um just check out the red letter media review when they start talking about the gay wedding don't worry there's just like a long-running narrative for all their videos or their movie reviews although what i did make the mistake of i made the mistake of commenting on that video saying i just got back from watching um it in the theater and i can confirm it's trash now mm. the comments i've had in reply to this have been fantastic including a guy who i won't name who's called petra florin who has just said simon clark fuck you you stupid retarded piece of trash um like i wow yeah that's quite to the point isn't it very um and Mm. i mean a lot of people are like yeah found the marvel fanboy it's not necessarily trash but it's bad uh no it's Mm. awesome who cares you paid them um like it's uh, yeah wow people really defend dc movies because they just assume that if you're not with me you're against me and because you're a marvel fanboy um this is the and that's the thing like i I'm just I'm a fan of cinema and it frustrates me and disappoints me when you see something that you know like DC has no excuse because it's got you know to work with characters like Batman like Superman you you know your source material is incredible and then you're just absolutely you're distilling it down to its its you know absolute bare essential lowest common denominator like why and why would you do that with characters of such complexity and depth? Because I would definitely argue that DC heroes have far more depth than Marvel. Um, I don't know enough about the comics, but um, I think that's probably right. I think they address they the, the kind of the themes they address and the the backstories of characters um, are it's 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 more serious, right? Which is why you can see where that it, when they when they do these DC films that they are taken seriously, but. 
you've to be to take them seriously you've got to be able to take the character seriously and you can't do that when you've got you know the the, the beauty of like some of the avengers films is that you can uh, to a degree you you get to see, you you see the importance of how the characters have to and it is very cringe and it's a, again this is also a bit lowest common denominator but they all have to work together to achieve a goal and when whenever when you've seen and and you know Kermode spoken about this in his review um I, I am aware that I'm basically noshing Mark Kermode off at this point. I don't care. He's spot on. I, I have a tremendous amount of respect for his for his opinions. But he says that every, every character is just like, seems to be impervious to anything. They're all flying about. Mark couldn't get over the fact that there'll be, there'll be opening scenes where somebody will be standing on the top of some massive, like, uh, I don't know, st- I don't know, some like like scaffolding. I think that's a scene where Batman's... St- yeah. And you're like... How how do they? Oh, they all fly. Of course, they all fly because there's just a way, you know. And it's like, oh, what? How? You know, <laughs> it's it's just frustrating. I know full well that I'm not going to see it. Um, I will wait until it comes out on DVD and then let someone else buy it and then I'll watch it because I have no interest in watching it at all. I do feel bad um, for financially supporting DC. I won't I won't deny that. I mean, I purely went because yeah. I wanted to see how bad it was because I didn't see Batman versus Superman because I didn't want to get a massive mm. headache. And this did give me a headache, to be fair. But um, mm. yeah, I only went to see how bad it, it was going to be, and it did not disappoint. It was really quite trash. Shame. It's but speaking shame. of trash, should we go to correspondence corner? <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. Right, Let's we'll see have what a, our reader, we'll have, what gold our readers have given us. We'll have another jingle from Tapio coming up right now. <sighs> Wasn't that a great jingle, Dan? <laughs> oh, lovely, lovely, absolutely loved it. Uh, so you sounded like you sounded very Aussie then. I've got to say, you sounded like um, um, the guy who plays um, F- Imperator. Oh God, what's the guy's name in Mad Max? The big baddie is it Imperator Joe? What's his name? No idea. You know the one I mean, right? The the big bad guy in Mad Max. Uh, I can't remember. I haven't seen that film in too long. <laughs> Oh, such a good film! So, 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 a good so, film. so good. Like that's how you do an action film. I know we, we, we've jumped back into, into movie corner, um, but yeah, that's that's just how you do it. Immortan Joe, that was it. I was nearly there. Um, yeah, you sounded like him. There's mm. some behind the scenes stuff where he's like looking at all the extras done up in all their costumes, and he's like, "You look fucking marvelous, lovelies." <laughs> like mm. that was you just then. That's uh, that's that's how you sound. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Um, well, would you like to kick off with an email from Ethan? He says uh, the sub- it's uh, the subject is Stranger Things and superheroes. Dear Messrs. Clark and more, I disagree with both of you here about different things. Dan, you profess to be a Christopher Nolan fan, no? During your this last podcast, you stated that when a comic book when comic book films are set in our world and take themselves too seriously, you dislike them. What then are your thoughts on the Dark Knight trilogy? I personally greatly enjoyed the real and serious nature they presented, despite origin, origin, originating from comic books. A very good question, Simon. I hope. Well, no, answer the man's question. Um, I think there's a, there is a slight exception to the rule with the dark. Well, actually, no, I no, there's not. During the last podcast, just um. When comic book films are set in our world and take themselves too seriously, they are set in our world, you know, very true, the Dark Knight trilogy is, but it's also set in a fictitious city, which is very different. You know, that's not... I mean, this. how important is that? Though? I see, what, I see the point I see the point that Ethan's trying to make, and I do, I do, I, I agree, I really, really like the Dark Knight trilogy. Um, I thought the final one with Bane was, wasn't nearly as good. Definitely. Um, but, um, yeah, they were, yeah, they were good, and, 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 
a lot of that the the real and serious nature they presented has a lot to do with the the manner in which the film was actually like filmed the, from a cinematography perspective um it's a it's a dark dark place um but i still do think that but, to to a degree it almost feels like it's not set in our world because you're in a you know you're in gotham right that's but i mean i'd argue not, that it not, doesn't it doesn't feel anything like a Zack snyder film it, it's not um like like justice league is it's not dark in that sense i th- i think the the cinematography no. is pretty realistic actually um but the but the key thing arguably with those films is nobody has superpowers Every, it's, everything mm. is grounded in technology i mean even bane who's just yeah. like it's just just tom hardy on steroids really mm. um mm. you know there aren't any actual superpowers in there but i i don't think that the problem i i i think that yeah it, they demonstrate that yeah you can have a comic book set in the because to me it feels like the real world to, as in like the rest yeah, of the world I exists should... in that film universe yeah I, again I, I i do want to clarify i'm not saying that it can't be done i'm just saying more often than not it the 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 attempt fails um the Dark Knight trilogy is, is as I say, as an is an exception to the rule for many reasons. Um, yeah, I do like the the, and I'm, I'm a, I am a fan of Christopher Nolan, um, but again, I think it's it's a little unfair to compare that with like as a as a to use that as an example of a comic book that's set in our world because it's it's so different to it being set in like when you've got superheroes or or, or things f- fictitious things of people flying around like new york or london I mean, where they it, are just openly saying this is real you know like you're you're already you're already in buying into um into batman stuff specifically there's a reason why they choose gotham right and that it's it's close to home in that we recognize it as a city but it's also not a city we know so your suspension of disbelief is kind of aided in that sense i mean basically it's a crime drama really it feels like heat or something the dark knight trilogy mm, as in yeah. it's like it's basically a, yeah like a mob the dark knight is like a mob drama really there's just a, mm. a there's just two nutters one with face paint and one who's like got hockey pants on or whatever it is yeah Okay, but that's so, uh, yeah. That, that's I think it's a very good point, though. It is, yeah, it is a very. Now good point. I'm I'm going to get grilled. Okay, Simon, I wholeheartedly disagree with your judgment of Stranger Things too. Both seasons are amazing, what? but I think I can say with confidence that I enjoyed the second one more. The mythos was, in my opinion, just as good, if not more interesting, due to the mind flayer concept. While they are mainly fighting off the demodogs, um, which do recall season one, the integration of the hive mind makes it much more interesting. Additionally, seeing how the mind flayer manipulated Will and how Will was connected to the vines and demodogs um, via the hive mind was a very compelling plot device. As for my favourite Marvel film, I'd have to say either Iron Man or Iron Man 3 takes the cake. He's definitely my favourite Marvel superhero. Also, by the way, I agree with Dan about the Winter Soldier. Well, I mean, oh, that- he really doesn't like you. There we go. I just I completely disagree with you, Ethan. <laughs> <laughs> The Winter Soldier is just... Uh, even though... Iron Man 3 is not a great film. The third act is atrocious. Like, acts one and two are okay, but... Iron Man 1? Okay. Like, I get that. It's a very good film. It's just, I mean, it started up a billion-dollar franchise, so clearly it's good. But like, The Winter Soldier is definitely better than either of those two. Mm. But to, to, So, the Stranger Things okay. point. Um, I don't know. Like, I can understand why people might like it. And like I said last time, Pixel Girl likes it. Um, and I respect her opinion hugely, because she's very clever. Um, I, so, I also like it, but you don't respect my opinion at all. No, because you're shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, no, like I just, I don't know. I, it wasn't compelling to me. Also, reading that paragraph, it just sounds like Tyranids, which is like, it makes me just want mm. a, a, a 40k series because that's what I've also been watching. Mm. I've watched like, I found this channel that's been doing Warhammer 40,000 battle reports and they're like two or three hour videos and I've watched three of them. Um, yeah, that's been my viewing habits recently. Um, but uh, yeah. 
yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like the mind flayer idea, I thought they were going to bring Eleven's sister, Eight, whatever her, her actual name was, into like exercise will. I thought that was the angle they were going for there, and actually, because otherwise that that mm. story thread just goes nowhere in this season. Um, but it, obviously, it will like. In, that was in my only complaint. I thought the the addition of going when she when she finally meets that meets the other meets the other girl, mm. um, it did feel a little like tacked on. It was suddenly like, oh, this is almost. This could almost be a different series, almost like the, a different uh, show. It felt so different. It was the Doctor Strange um, moment in Thor Ragnarok. It was just there because it had to be the, um, you know, the Doctor Strange. I kind of like things. that, but I have, I, I really like Doctor Strange. Like, oh yeah, I, I like the character, even though he is just a budget Iron Man, really. Um, like, I, I don't know. Sorry, if I sound a bit weird, it's because I've been eating jelly tots, and I think I just got some stuck okay. in my throat. Um, I'm 27. Um, uh, I, I, I don't know, like. <sighs> I think we might just have to agree to disagree here. I didn't find it as compelling. Like I say, I still enjoyed mm. the season tremendously. Um, there are there are bits of it that I thought were, I mean, maybe my maybe my favorite moments were of like the whole thing was just seeing Destin and Steve together. Like I just because they're two characters mm. that I really got invested in and I really liked, and it was just them being bros. I really liked that. But I don't know if it compares to like the high points of season one, like when um jonathan and nancy are like with the baseball bat in the house like they're fighting the demi gorgon mm. um I, I don't know mm-hmm. i just thought that this season wasn't as good but still good but i yeah. i respect your opinion ethan but not yours dan you yeah you're he goes on to say <laughs> thanks mate <laughs> he goes on to say even though you don't celebrate it happy thanksgiving happy thanksgiving ethan. happy thanks many thanks to you we give nailed it happy american genocide God, <laughs> that's what okay, it is. Well, Thanksgiving okay. is celebrating the uh, genocide of an entire continent, and everyone's just like, "Oh, good, we have some turkey because that's what the native people gave us before we gave them blankets riddled with smallpox." I mean, this this was this is. I mean, they, I'm, I'm sure they weren't fully aware <laughs> that that was what was going on. I think that you may be painting it in a slightly. Hang on, more, I mean, it's hang not on. certainly smallpox blankets. I'm pretty sure it was a deliberate. Uh, actually, well, there is um, this there is a Snopes uh, article for this. Let's have a look. Because this is, it was definitely something I have heard, and I'm I'm spouting here without uh, determining. I'm if certainly it was true. hang on. I, I'm worried now that I'm being painted as someone who's defending American colonialists. I, I mean, what they did to the Native Americans was very, very wrong. But I also <laughs> feel like, you know, Thanksgiving's been going on for such a long time now. I feel like a lot of people are they're using it. You know, like you always hear when it crops up in the news. Now it's people talking about how there's a massive rush to get home. You know, the the um, the the motorways or sorry the freeways are are really kind of blocked up with people trying to get home and seeing family and it's a time to kind of share in family values and things like that and despite the fact of what the um what the holiday may be associated with it's being what the values that it holds now are essentially good ones and i like that giving and, and thanking yeah, but like, just no, being with family, taking some time out of whatever you're doing, and going home and making sure that you keep you keep in contact and kind of nurturing oh, yeah, your yeah. kind of platonic side, familial support network. Mm, exactly. So no, there's actually a smoking gun here. I was not expecting this. Uh, a quick wiki has revealed to me that um, during the siege of Fort Pitt, which was in uh, 1763, uh, British officers uh, used smallpox-infected blankets to spread the disease amongst Native Americans. And, quote, it was deliberate British policy. And, in fact, there's a receipt here, an invoice, rather, uh, quote, to sundries got to replace in kind those which were taken from people in the hospital to convey the smallpox to the Indians. Um 
The well, question is how frequently it was used, but it was definitely a a, a tactic, which, as as tactics go, is pretty atrocious. So, mm, well, the British were just shocking. But we still are. Let's face it. Um, uh, like the, that one line from Pocahontas that's like, "These white men are dangerous." Is possibly the most accurate mm. in the history of Disney. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, if you are listening and you are descended from Native Americans. We wouldn't have infected... I personally, I can't speak for Dan, I wouldn't have wanted to infect your ancestors with smallpox. But I am very, very sorry that this happened. Because it yeah. was pretty sucky. But happy Thanksgiving, Ethan. <laughs> mm-hmm. Next up, I'm just going to eat some jelly tots whilst I'm e- reading this email. Um, from Amy Williams. the professional. Dear Messrs. Moore and Clark, I've been a long-time reader of the podcast, and I've been reading for you for a while. <clears throat> oh gosh, good. But I, after, I had to, after listening to the 16th episode, after finding out Pixel Girl is from Bridge North. When you said Funicular Railway, I thought, oh, I wonder if Bridge North is in the article. But then you mentioned Pixel Girl. I'm from Bridge North too, via Western Australia. So a weird connection between me, you, and Pixel Girl going on here. Um, and I found a, mm. weird, a weird sense of pride here in my town mentioned in my favourite podcast. Well, thank you for saying we're your pa- favourite podcast. Um, you've clearly got great taste because mm. you're from Bridge North. Um, as all girls from Bridge North have great taste. Well, I mean, in men. Um, I've got to say, it's a lovely place. It's a really, really nice town, Bridge North. If anybody gets to visit, definitely go, because it's rather pretty, I've got to say. Um, and because the next question is, have either of you been there? It's very beautiful, even if it's full of an ageing Tory population. Um, yeah, it is. I've been a couple of times now, and it is very, very nice. Um, as you say, rather Tory, but nowhere's perfect. Um and yeah, lovely river, lovely um, like the hill side of things. Um, you should you should go, Dan. Mm-hmm. If, if actually ah, if anybody likes railways, you should go because not only is there a funicular railway, there's also the Seven Valley Railway there. So when I went mm. there once, oh god, did I ever tell you this story? There was this, they do this thing. I think it's once a month where they um they do a uh, a forties weekend at the train station. So everybody's dressed up in like army uniforms and like floral dresses and stuff like that, and we pretend like we're still at war with Germany and losing. And um, they have uh, music playing on a PA system, so it's all stuff like from the era, like crooners, and I suppose it's too early for doo wop, but you know that that you know the kind of music. Um, and mm-hmm. Pixel Girl and I and a few of her friends were walking along, and we heard this music, and then I swear to God, I, I was like, "Hang on, I recognise this piece of music." And it was springtime for Hitler from the producers. Cause oh my God, I think, amazing. I think the people organising it just thought, oh yeah, that sounds like the Second World War. And it's like, Rhineland's a fine land once more. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, that, was, that was a very weird cognitive dissonance. Um, which, yeah. which Pixel Girl didn't understand until we went to see the production of the producers at Exeter with our friends in it. Which, if you don't know it, is an amazing show, uh, and you should see it if you can. Mm. Uh, it's really, really funny. But um, yeah, um, so Amy, uh, tw- age twenty-two and nine twelfths. Thank you for the compound fraction. Nice. Um, yeah, nice. I-, I might have bumped into you at some point, maybe when I've been um, uh, when I've been visiting. But uh, thank you very much for email, and you are very lucky to live in Bridge North because it's a-, a wonderful place. Got an email here from George. He says, uh, "This is a hecking ruddy email, which I adore." Thank you for um, not dear cosmic. Spam. <laughs> that's less work for that's less work for me having to censor all the swearing. Dear cosmic spam haters, here here is a thing. Uh, I was late for a game at the 1980 Cong- Congoleum Classic, so I just had to wait in the lane listening to Hymnus Amoris in traffic. 
In the back seat, I had a Gary. In the back seat, I had Gary S. Mayer board as well as the Darren Ford, and of course, a Yonalossi Salamander stored on the floor. I don't know why, even if you ask me weekly, but tied on the roof, I had Elijah Wheatley. Very good. Maybe it was a fun fact to show you that Walter Hummel was a snowshoe cat. Even though he doubts it, from here to Krauschwitz, it's true. There's no doubt about it. A Kalapasha thinks maybe he duped us, and after all, this time he was a Lysivicus? Levisucus. Remember that was the dinosaur? Levis- Levisucus, oh yeah. But wait um, but wait a sec, Freddie Farkas, frontier pharmacist, already rhymes, like Data Tech does with train set wreck. Oh my god, <laughs> this is amazing. Uh, now let's segue into Segway Inc. and talk about Blue Foxes, about him seeing in Eudoxus being lip-synced by these new foxes. My god! Wow. I actually sent this email way before last week, but you didn't read it out after talking about the history of rail transport in Mozambique. That is all. Yours angrily, George. George, that is absolute, I mean, fine work. Fine, fine work. Outstanding. I'm going to ignore the fact that your signature is in a different colour to the, it's it's a a, a neon blue in Comic Sans. Um, Outstanding. Uh, Amazing. Amazing. Really great. Uh, I don't even have anything to add to that. That is for those of you who didn't twig. That's every episode of our podcast worked into a uh, almost like a beat poem. In fact, maybe if we could do that as a that would be the lyrics to our emo song. Um, we just mm. need some guitars and some aggressive drumming. Like, I was late for a game with the 1980 Congolian classic. Uh, that'd be our emo album. <laughs> we now have two emails uh, from Megan. Getting a bit greedy, Megan, but you know we'll let it slide this one time. Megan, Dear Mega Mind and Warden. <laughs> I love that. Hang on. War, does this, does this imply... Because obviously Dan's Megamind because of the forehead. Does this imply that I'm like your keeper? Is that is that the war... I I'm suppose. The, I'm the warden of the forehead. Um, mm, I guess so. You two are bloody amazing. Keep up the pods, videos, and just being you. Parentheses. But Dan, stop wearing long sleeve shirts under button-ups. Uh, she's referring to our gar- uh, review of Guardians of the Galaxy 2. You have great fashion sense, but what? Can you explain yourself, Dan? Wait, What? <laughs> yeah, that was what she said. Stop wearing long, stop wearing long sleeve shirts under button ups. Yeah, I don't. You did I don't that. Do that. You did that in our review of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. Oh yeah, it was cold outside, and I didn't want to wear. And that's my that's my really really crazy patterned like late seventies early eighties shirt that I seem to be wearing all the time with the massive lapels that one right <laughs> yeah yeah yes that one i think it's that one. Oh yeah i normally don't do that it's just i i was cold and i don't want to put a jumper on because i like the shirt sorry megan you're I, right there i, I won't th- ever do it again yeah, i'm sorry i think you're quite right there megan it's disgusting um i have a question mostly for simon because he's doing his phd no offense dan you're an english nerd it's adorable but i need a science nerd for this question well no worries i'll hand over uh simon you deal with a lot of physics gross i'm terribly sorry but do you think the star wars universe is actually plausible do a lot of the physics of it make sense giant planets blowing up other planets with that uh with that planet debris oh sorry debris disappearing very fast that doesn't seem real so many diverse planets quit trying to travel between planets would it work now it is very funny that you should send me this email because i am currently working on a video answering one of these questions um, and mm-hmm. I won't say which one because I don't want to get nerd sniped by somebody. Although to be fair, it's so much editing in this video. My goodness, like I'm not doing very much <clears throat> else apart from oh, editing for this. God's sake. <laughs> Every you're, episode, mate, you're better than that. You're so much better than that. Every episode, I swear, there's been a belching. I'm so sorry, guys. It's the it's the jelly tots. Um, I'm 27. Just to reiterate that. Um, yeah, like it's 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 a lot of work doing doing this video. Um, uh, and I'm not doing anything other than editing, but it's still going to take several days. 
so um yeah i won't say which one it is the the general answer is that mostly it's it's fine mostly it it makes sense lightsabers have been done to death by other people like they don't really make sense as with technology as we understand it uh the fast travel also, between... like all the explosions in space oh yeah well the, not... the fact that i mean that's stuff can thing, explode stuff can explode in space because the cockpits are pressurized um you know there will be oxygen in there yeah but there wouldn't be any there wouldn't be any fire well no it depends on how the lasers work if they superheat the um inside of the um cockpit it might it just it might the laser might be hot enough to just ignite the the air and then because once you breach it it would explode in a fire explosion um but that depends on how the lasers work so you know that that's like artistic license i'll give them that one what doesn't work with the starfighters actually is um how maneuverable the spacecraft would be if you actually watch <clears throat> stuff moving around in space i mean the most maneuvering really that's been done in space by manned missions was the apollo missions um if you haven't seen apollo 13 it shows this very nicely um where basically at one point um after the rocket has fired off into into space there are three parts to it there's a command module service module and the lunar module and they're in the wrong order in the spacecraft as it takes off so the command module and service module detach from the lunar module spin around and then lock back into place that's the most complicated maneuvering that we've ever done in space as humans um and that was painstakingly uh, slow and moving along like certain vectors like spinning uh, of one axis spinning along the next axis it's not going to be like flying a spitfire um as actually i have realized this i have two episodes of Kerbal space program still waiting to be edited uh from saving private bob that will happen uh, in fact maybe whilst i'm currently free if i finish this star wars video i might get on to doing that next we'll see uh because we we, we certainly don't fly like x-wing pilots do we dan uh when we're, when we're <laughs> piloting our space no, definitely yeah definitely not uh but yeah um so to answer the question and, and the other thing is the fast travel between planets there is a reason for that within the universe. There's so-called hyper particles. I think um, it is possible. We can do it. I mean, we can. To be fair, we can do that. As, we can fast travel around planets as well. But you just can't do it when enemies are near. Yes, this is true. Uh, as Lord Baelish yeah. discovered. Um, mm. uh, so yeah, um, that there is a way to doing that, and that's possibly a future video that I might do about fast and light travel because it is theoretically possible. Um, which is mm. just like you have to kind of cheat the universe a little bit. So that's the very long and rambling answer, which will include a video at some point, which is possibly mm. my magnum opus i think it's the best thing i've worked on so we'll see uh and there's a ret- returning to megan uh okay i have one more question if you uh so choose to answer it i have a secret my voice teacher there my voice teacher and choir director is always telling me to lift my soft palate sometimes they say i've done it and other times not i can't tell a difference what the heck is my soft palate and how the heck does one lift it dan sure i actually i talk about this with gns so um uh co-musical director and vocal coach for the Gilbert and Sullivan Society and then obviously the choirs I do as well and we talk about this quite regularly um, if you put your tongue along the back of your front teeth and then slowly move your tongue backwards you'll feel back and then you'll suddenly go over a ridge and your, shung will, your tongue will shoot up to the top of your mouth that ridge is your I think your is it aviola ridge I'm pretty sure I don't know anyway you'll keep going and then it'll, it'll you'll kind of you'll feel like a cavity that's quite hard and you'll keep going back and then it'll suddenly kind of shoot back up into like almost like the back of your neck and you, your, your tongue can't reach that far, um, but it'll feel much softer. That's your soft palate. Um, the easiest way of raising it, just because it use, it brightens the sound and if you've got quite a kind of a nasal tone or you've got tendencies to sing flat, um, 
you want to raise that soft palate. The easiest way of doing that when you're singing is to smile ever so slightly. If you raise the corners of your mouth and raise your eyebrows, your your soft palate will naturally raise. There are other ways of doing it too. Um, if you practice by, if you get like a milkshake or anything where you're drinking out of a straw and you suck through a straw, um, your soft palate has to raise because it stops water or liquid going up through your like nasal passages. Um, that's why it raises. Um, also, if you go... There was I was there's a something I was reading for kind of sheets I print out for singers if they want um, more kind of advice from like a technical thing I should should also say like these are just things that I've picked up from other directors I'm not qualified to talk about this in any way but I'm pretty sure what I'm saying is right um, if you stand in the mirror open your mouth and kind of look down and look into the kind of the back of your throat and say the word so the word is H U N G so like hung. Um, uh, hung, like a donkey, if you will, and then hyphen ah, so hung ah, hung ah, hung ah, hung ah. If you do that and you watch, you'll actually see your soft palate going going up and down. Um, it's just it's a thing that kind of really affects tone and usually produces a nicer sound. Um, it's it's good practice to to keep it raised because it just makes the sound bright and often is the easiest way to fix to fix pitch. Certainly within a choir, if everyone um, the easiest way just without having to do any of those kind of more strenuous exercises is just raise your eyebrows and smile just not like a like a stupid grin but like just 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 raise the corners of your mouth ever so slightly and you'll feel almost like your whole face will lift and in doing so so will your soft palate is ed in the bath still i think so unrelated question you know um mm. then yeah, moving moving on to second uh, megan's second email um she says i'm team simon all the way well of course you are because cats are freaking amazing but i'm also team dan because of his enthusiasm about discrediting the feline species thank you um, he talks about cats so much it's almost as if he likes them you're like a boy you know, in, i can in like I primary can clarify school like... that for you megan don't worry <laughs> they are literally fucking hellspawn but please do continue. You're like you're like a boy in school. It's like, oh no, I hate girls. Oh, they're so disgusting. And you're like in, in you know in your head, you're just like a little. You have like I a mean, little shrine. it would surprise it would surprise no one that I was never that boy at school. I've always liked girls. <laughs> that's, that's just oh, all right. <laughs> most of most of my most of my friend most of my friends when I was like a boy, and this is obviously this isn't not to get like weirdly like sexual about it but i just i've always had more friends who are girls and guys i think just because i'm quite an effeminate person um mm. and then then you know puberty hits like a fucking train and uh there you go when you're 25 you'll get there mate it'll be okay thanks mate. Um, yeah. I, I, i'm I, waiting i'm still waiting for that train <laughs> much like i'm waiting for my letter from hogwarts hopefully they'll arrive at the same time i'll just be a very very <laughs> horny wizard go on <laughs> now that's that's an image a horny wizard <laughs> in mm. gorgia um, I get it, Dan. I too hated cats until I somehow acquired two of them. So I've included a few pics of my cats to convince you that cats are just cute balls of fluff. They are basically dogs hiding in cat skins. They play fetch, follow up my feet, and wait by my bed for me to wake up. They look adorable. You've got to admit, mate. These they cats do. Are they cute. do look. They do look quite lovely. Uh, including uh, one with the most beautiful blue eyes. I've got. If anybody mm. wants to send us pictures, send me pictures of your cats or dogs. You know, or, I, or we, send me pictures of your dogs. Or you equally, know, if you have an unusual pet. Send us pictures of your pets. We want to see them because they're adorable. Mm. Or even if they're not, mm. if they're like spiders or reptiles or choir directors, like, you know, just send us pictures because we, mm. we like animals. And then she's also included yeah. a picture here, which is really interesting. Um, she's a uh, biology uh, student. Uh, she describes herself as a uh, kinesiology kinesiology i'm not a very good at biology so i'm afraid i'm probably mangling that pronunciation um but she's included a picture that she took through her microscope uh, a few weeks ago 
of mitosis happening in the tip of a garlic root and it's that is so cool you can actually see the um the innards of the the cell splitting into two that mm. is dope that is really really cool yeah um i did the i actually i've done this in my um bio, my bio course at school i remember doing this we did it with um onion cells like the like the epidermis of an onion oh, and then you die you can see that you can see yeah. them in yeah you can see them in the stages it's very cool um, and I, knew, I know that we do have several PhDs listening to this. Alex, if you're a Lathbridge, if you're still listening to this, do send us some more pictures and explain what we're looking at. So that, that could be a challenge for mm. us. If Possibly give an image, we could give an image to Dan, who knows nothing about high-level biology, and... Hang on, <laughs> hang on. What the fuck? I would I'd actually argue that from a, from a mitosis standpoint, I know more than you. Did you do it at IB? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, so maybe, maybe you should give a picture to me and I have to try and explain what's going on. Or, or yeah. equally, if you have a, if you're a researcher or a PhD uh, student who, who uh, and you have something interesting visual that you can send us, we'll pick whichever one of us is less qualified to talk about it, and mm. uh, we'll try and describe it to our readers because that sounds like mm. we'll definitely do it do it right. But thank you for your for two sure. emails, Megan, aged nineteen and a quarter. So we have an email here from. Anna Arlen. Uh, the subject is Correspondence Corner, so she's nailed the category. Um, Dear Messrs. Moore and Clark, oh, gets better. She's a Yognor and she's got the order right. Oh. Greetings all the way from sunny and unbearably hot Australia. Please send help. It's starting to melt and I'm only, it's only still spring. <laughs> Having finally caught up on all the episodes of the podcast, I thought I'd write to you both to let you know how much I've enjoyed listening to them so far and to thank you for providing the entertainment to my ears while doing menial tasks around the house the only other podcasts i usually listen to are the triforce yogpod and hat chat i actually was listening to the most recent triforce this morning while i was in the shower i haven't finished it yet but when i make my next cup of tea because i've only had four so far today um i'll be continuing that one <laughs> uh, and hat chat and considering how often they release podcasts looking at you um hat boiks uh, <laughs> i was in desperate need of something else when i found that you two had a podcast i absolutely love listening to your delightful uh, drabble about literally anything and hearing about life at exeter university i'm starting to wish i could go on exchange or something as my life at university seems to be pretty dismal in comparison i do have a question to ask and apologies if anyone's asked us before but what is your all-time favorite song slash piece of music oh. one that you would never get tired of listening to mine would have to be arrival of the birds and transformations by the cinematic orchestra i highly recommend listening to it if you haven't before it's simply perfect Oh, it's a great piece Ooh. of music. That's that's used in um mm. theory of everything. Um, mm. uh, on, on on a similar line, a very similar piece, which is up there for me, would be um, on the nature of daylight by Max Richter, as used in Arrival, mm-hmm. which is, just makes you cry. Ah, oh, so beautiful. Oh, that is a really mm. tough question to ask people like that. Us. Is a hard question. Um, yeah. How about how about we we let's give us let's give us the week to think. But I, mean, a real, I don't think, like a, real I don't think a week will, will help. I just I don't think I can give one answer. I genuinely don't think I could give one answer. I think I can certainly give a more informed answer next week. I'm going to say something off the top of my head, then listen back to the podcast, and then be like, "I was what am I saying? That's absolute rubbish." All right, I'm going to give my answer next week if that's okay. All right, I, I we, we will do the next episode. We will we will answer that because that is really difficult. Yeah. Um, that is tough, but yeah. good question. Good Very question. good, Anna. Yeah. Uh, she said, anyway, I've probably rambled on a lot for now. Just wanted to say thanks for the laughs and good luck to Simon with his PhD and to Dan with his degree. Hope to write again soon from a f- reader and fellow Yognaut, Anna, 22 and one third years old. Oh, and dogs, by the way. Always dogs. Spot <laughs> on, to, Anna. Well had to ruin it at the end there. It was a perfect email up until then. But, you know. A perfect email? So you like the Moore and Clark order? Oh, 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 yeah. It was bookended then by terribleness. <laughs> that was... There we go. I'm forgetting myself. Goodness me. So, Daniel, what have we learned today? Cast today, your mind back. We, 
We learnt about the emo band Dads and yes. their album I'll Be the Tornado. Um, we read some of their reviews and they are hilarious. We discussed our, um, our we discussed our disgust at oh. our emo phases. Oh, <laughs> very nice, very nice, very nice. Um, we spoke about what else did we talk about? You remember? Um, uh, we got a bit too serious about smallpox at one point. <laughs> we did, we did. I, that was that was. Oh, we had a massive. We, mass, we had quite a, a hefty foray into uh, film, television, and YouTube corner, which we're still thinking for a good catchy name for that. Yeah, so if anyone has any suggestions, names. please yeah. please write to us at spongyelectric at gmail dot com. Um, but that was really interesting. We spoke about Justice well, League. I yeah. kind of ra- I ranted for a while on. Um, Blue is the warmest colour and everybody wants some. We spoke about Justice League. Uh, we spoke about a kind of a more in-depth discussion on why I hate DC. <laughs> um, uh, then we kind of, we had a pretty pretty strong correspondence corner. Um, I think as far, as far as episodes goes, this was this was quite highbrow. I, I think um, it's been one of those episodes where we actually talk about things, uh, which is mm. which is contrary to I think what most of us want from this podcast, which is nothingness. Yeah. We want us to talk about is, fluff. Um, and yeah, what we've done is made the terrible high quality, to, to, uh, yeah, high quality non-content. Whereas now what we've done is talked low quality content. We've gone, we we flipped mm. it. So I'd like to extend an, a formal a formal apology to. Everybody mm. who's listened to this podcast, I'm very sorry that we actually talked about things this week. Um, I know and it's I'll not what you're looking for. I'll extend a informal apology. <laughs> you're just like, yeah, sorry, sorry mate. <laughs> yeah. That's all for this week's episode. Don't forget to subscribe to us on your podcasting service of choice. You can like us on Facebook, and if you'd like to see our faces, check out our YouTube channel, Spongy and Electric. Blue is the warmest colour thoughts. Film, television and YouTube corner name suggestions and other thoughts on the show can be sent to us at spongyelectric at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Join us again for another Tumble Down the Wiki Rabbit Hole. And And we'll we'll see see you you next next time. Oh, actually, can we? Can you? Can you stop for a sec? Yep. I just need to. Um, I need to swap my headphones over. Sure. Give me a second. Can you still hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's me. I'm walking across the lounge. I'm picking up my little dongle so I can plug my other headphones in. Oh, you touch that dongle, you bloody slut! <laughs> touch the dongle. Rub the dongle. Rub uh, that dongle. Right. Boy. Hang on. I'm not sure what's going to happen here. You might start. Start coming out of my phone as it were so oh! bear with me oh! yep there you are happy out of my thanksgiving phone.